0: Hey folks and welcome back to the Blue Light podcast. I'm Brendan from Blue Light and this is the only place you need to be to find out and discover all you need to know about police recruitment and beyond and beyond. So in today's podcast what I'm going to talk about is what happens next. So you've succeeded in the police recruitment process, you've got your start date, you walk through the doors of the training center. It's awesome eventually after you've attested you get your warrant card in your pocket and that's even more awesome you know serving officers out there don't tell me you just didn't gaze at it thinking yes I've made it yes you know and it stays in your back pocket for decades You know, and now I'm retired, I kind of feel a little bit naked without it. So what happens once you've got that warrant card in your pocket? So in this podcast, I'm going to explore a few techniques that you can utilize. So this is great for serving officers. A few techniques you can utilize to ensure that your career is not just a successful one, but it's also fulfilling. And I think there's a big difference there between uh, success and fulfillment. Fulfillment is finding the roles that give you joy. The ones where people will say about you that you're in your element. Oh, she's, you know, Jane uh, in Special Branch. That's awesome. She's in her element. This is exactly the sort of thing that she loves. Or uh, John, he's working in a public order training team. This is exactly where he needs to be. He's in his element. So what we're looking for is to ensure that we find those careers within the career of policing that are going to appeal to our uh, sense of being, the, the the thing that we desire, the roles that give us joy. Now, I've been fortunate enough to be in three different police forces. I've served in the Cheshire Constabulary, the Bermuda Police, and Greater Manchester Police. And yes, we did wear shorts in Bermuda, and yes, it was awesome, before you ask, Um And I've also done an attachment to a home office department as well. And I've served in 21 different roles. Uh, 19 of them I loved. Two of them I didn't like. I just had to do them. I was told, you've got no choice, Brendan. You're doing these two two roles. You are doing them. So sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and get on with it. Um, But 19 out of the 21 roles I had, I pushed myself into them. I, I didn't achieve any of these by the four systems that were set up to enable you to have a successful career using the Performance Development Review Program. That's what forces use at the moment. Um, I do believe in the future it's going to be tied to uh, the salary levels as well. That's what the government are planning. Then again, they've been planning that for decades. I've been seeing successive governments try and roll that one out. And they, they almost did um, a few years ago where they had a, a, another pay point that you could get to if you achieved a certain level in your PDR. But the thing is, everyone got it, so it kind of just defeated the object. It was meant to be an incentive to perform, but it's very difficult to gauge what performance, good performance is as a police officer, because so many of the good things that you do can't be measured. And performance that can't be measured is really, really difficult to assess. So let's put the PDR to one side, because... Honestly, I'd kind of dusted it off once a year and just I, I, I filled it out myself and my chief inspector just sort of signed it off and that was it. It, it didn't really have any meaning. You know, you put down your, your desire to go on certain courses or I'm hoping to be a such and such a thing and you, your senior, your sergeant, your inspector, your chief inspector, superintendent would write some nice things um, and how are they are going to support you over the next year? And then it just gets filed away and... That's it. You know, that's the reality, folks. You know, if anyone wants to get in touch uh, and tell me otherwise, then I'd love to hear from you, because I'd love to hear from a force, uh, individuals who are actually in a force as police officers, where they've got meaningful PDR systems that absolutely enable them to to ace their career so that they have these deeply fulfilling roles. Because if you've got a, a career ahead of you that gives you success... Well, that's not the same as giving you success and fulfillment, is it? Because you could be successful, but really, really unhappy. So you could achieve the rank of inspector, but actually you loved being a sergeant and you hate being an inspector. So um, I stopped at inspector because I, I didn't want to go any further. I looked at the ranks of chief inspector and superintendent once I got to inspector and just thought, I, I will not enjoy those roles. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to do those roles. I will not enjoy them. So... Yeah, I did have aspirations to be a superintendent, but actually, no thanks. I'm going to stick with Inspector. So I think it's really important to find your element, find that thing. But how are you going to do it? Well, pin your ears back, folks, because I'm going to share with you some techniques that worked for me. Um, I developed them over a period of three decades, and they've absolutely worked. They've, they've enabled me to nail it when it's, come, when it's come to the time when I move from one department or one unit to another or one rank to another. So the aim is to find your element. Um, And in the first few years, you know, don't be thinking, right, I've got to start working towards a specialist department or promotion. Keep these things in the back of your mind. You've got enough to focus on in your first two or three years because you'd you'd be entering either under the police constable degree apprenticeship, in which case you're doing an apprenticeship that's going to get you a degree. You enter under the... A degree holder entry programme, in which case you've got a degree already, but you work towards a postgraduate diploma in policing, or you've already got a policing degree, but you've still got enough to do in your first two or three years. You know, there's a lot to learn in terms of uh, law, how to apply it, policy, procedure, and importantly, just how to do good policing. You know, learn your street craft. But one of the things I've been doing during that time is discovering what your element is going to be. Now, I've got this awesome Facebook group that I've set up just recently. It's now got over 1,500 people in it. Uh, they are all serving officers. And uh, when I listen to some of them, well, I don't listen, I read what they write in the posts. And, and they're, they're incredibly supportive. And I've I put loads of videos in there um, explaining videos on how to succeed at interviews and application forms and all sorts of good stuff. So if you're a serving officer and you want to belong to that group, just look for, in Facebook groups, uh, Blue Light Inforce development cadre or just type in blue light and cadre and it should bring it up ask to join you'll need to persuade me that you're a serving police officer you'll be asked that question and if you persuaded me i'll let you in the group anyway so what a lot of them tell me is they kind of get to their three-year point and then it's like right what should i do now and they're all a bit lost now i don't think that should be the way what i'd like you to do in that first two or three years is every time you get to work with or get to watch another department at work watch them with interest and start thinking is this something i could do what is it they're actually doing how do they do it and can i see myself in the shoes of this particular officer or at this particular rank and ask questions you know once whatever it is that you're dealing with is kind of simmered down and you're sort of uh, doing a bit of a hot debrief and having you know patting each other on the back and saying good job and all of that kind of stuff <laughs> or you may not do that you may just all go your separate ways whatever but find an opportunity to ask questions of the dog handlers the officers on the road policing unit uh, detectives uh, public order specialists uh, firearms officers and, and your sergeant as well and your sergeant and your inspector and other sergeants and other inspectors don't be afraid of asking questions really simple questions like what's it like to be a (laughs) you know what's it like to be a road policing officer what's it like to be a dog handler what's it like to be a firearms officer what is it like to be in safeguarding or working with vulnerable people Uh, ask questions and start working out what your pathway is going to be Uh, within two or three years you should know what your thing is going to be Uh, i should hope so anyway after two or three years so As we start progressing through our first two or three years, one of the things I'd suggest that you should be doing then is once you've got an idea of the sort of things that you want to do, find a job description for that role. Now, I've asked a few officers who are in this position sort of two or three years in, saying I'm not quite sure what to do. I've asked them, well, could you find a job description for me? And I'll I'll give you some ideas as to the sort of things you should be thinking about. And I've said, I don't know, know, where where do do I find one of those? Uh, College of Policing website. that's got job descriptions for just about every role you can find but you'll also discover that forces have their own job descriptions but they they normally mirror the ones that are on the college of policing website so um, i've got in front of me actually one here which is for dog handler this is a, a favorite role for a lot of officers um and it talks about the sort of competencies and values that you should uh, have uh, and then it goes into some really really uh detailed stuff about education qualifications skills experience uh, continuing professional development key accountabilities role and purpose you know there's a lot there there's a lot there um Now, I picked out a few bits that I thought were of interest, because this is what I I talk about sometimes, hacking the process. So you're hacking the job description here to find out what the ideal job, uh, sorry, what the ideal dog handler would be. What what sort of values and behaviours would they exhibit? So there's a couple here that just uh, leapt out at me, that um, a dog handler will conduct searches, naturally. They will do directed patrols um, against divisional priorities. They will do educational talks and they'll have a proactive approach to policing. They will be able to manage confrontation and they will do problem solving, proactive problem solving, where they look at the cause and effect of problems and the root causes of problems so they can come up with innovative solutions. So there's a few things there that you can do, even if you are not a dog handler. So because you can pretty much guarantee that these are some of the things they're going to be looking for on your application form when it comes to applying to be a dog handler or any other role so one of the things now i'd ask you to do is to loop backwards to where you are now and do a very realistic self-assessment and your 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 own diagnosis of your skills and abilities so if you've got two or three years servicing Uh, You may have never done an educational talk, so that would score quite low. I'd I'd score it on a sort of 1 to 10, 1 being ineffective, 10 being effective. And there's no point in lying to yourself on this because you're not going to do yourself any good. You want to identify the areas that you need to develop. These aren't weaknesses. They're just areas to develop. Conduct searches. Now, if you've never taken charge of a search, this is one of the things I'd advocate you start thinking about doing. Uh, directing patrols towards certain priorities this is something a constable can do you don't need to be a sergeant to do that kind of thing a proactive approach to developing relationships um, is another one i didn't mention before so uh, you know have you can you become a specialist in all things dog handling so whenever there's a dog handler needed and the dog handler arrives all the things that they need to support them to do their role depending what it is, a search for a missing person or uh, you know, making sure that an area is all boxed off so it can hunt down the burglar who's just run out of someone's house, whatever it might be. You're the person who puts everything in place so that they can do their job well. So you're building up a very positive relationship with the other dock handlers. Um, you push yourself and develop yourself to deal with confrontation, and you take on long-term problem-solving. And I know some of you are going to say, yeah, we're too busy to do that. Well, if you're too busy to do that, then you're too busy to develop your career. Um, you will find opportunities to... F- Discover ways to prevent certain crimes happening or certain events happening or certain um, incidents taking place, whether it's around an individual or a family or a location. You know, we're not talking about long-term problem solving over a five-year period or three-year period. We're just talking about something that you could do over a week or two just to prevent something that's happened happening again. Because when it comes to your application form, this is the sort of thing they're going to be looking for. And I've taken a look at quite a few people's application forms for various different roles: road policing unit, firearms, dog handling. um, Both people who have succeeded and people who have failed. The people who succeed are the ones who have got evidence at the right level, doing the right things, um, and it's structured in the right way. And the way they've done that is they've gone back in time and they've had to think: when have I done these things? And some of them, some of them have actually taken notice of some of the things I've said over the years, which is to keep a journal so that once you've found out these are the things I need to develop, every time you try and develop yourself against that, keep a bit of a journal. What happened? How did it happen? Um, What was the result? What can I do to improve it? And keep doing this on a daily basis. Take action on a daily basis to push yourself closer to the point where you are achieving 10 out of 10 in all the things that they're looking for in the job description. You see what we're doing here, folks? We're looking forwards. PDRs look backwards. And you just put evidence forward of your satisfactory performance. It gets ticked off. And then there'll be a little bit at the end about what is it you want to do. So, uh, sort of 95% what you've done in the past just to justify getting a satisfactory rating and 5% looking forwards. This is the other way around. It's 95% looking forwards and 5% looking backwards. So we are constantly looking forwards, thinking about what opportunities can I create for myself to develop my skills around the things that are needed in the role that I want to do and be in. Is this making sense so far, folks? Um, I wish I could. You know, this is this is uh, audio only. I'd love to draw it out on a whiteboard. Actually, in the uh, serving officers cadre, I've in their Facebook group, I've actually got a video there where I have drawn it all out on a whiteboard for you. So, when it comes to applying what you've got in front of you in your journal, is a huge amount of evidence of your values, your behaviours, your skills that all match the perfect dog handler. They all match the perfect dog handler because you've set your stall out right from an early stage to develop yourself against all the the traits and the accountabilities and the roles and the behaviours and the skills and the values that are exhibited by the ideal dog handler. So when it comes to applying, all you need to do is write about all of that and you are going to get through. You're going to get through to the next stage. But remember, The job application form has one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to get you in the interview or it is to get you to the assessment centre. No other purpose whatsoever. So once we've got that interview... We've hacked the process already. We've already hacked the job description. So we know that you're going to get asked questions about, can you tell me about a time when you've taken a proactive approach to developing relationships? Can you tell me about a time when you've had to deal with a confrontational situation that was really, really challenging? Can you tell me about a time when you've conducted uh, some problem solving, where you've had to get to the root causes to find a solution? Can you tell me about a time when you've actually taken charge of other officers to direct them and to meet divisional priorities Uh, can you tell me about a time when you've conducted a really effective search Um, and they might also ask you what do you believe the role of a dog handler is but you've already spoken to loads of dog handlers so you can talk about that and you've already set yourself up as being a bit of an expert in dog all things dog handling and you can talk about all the different dog handlers that you've spoken to along the way and the visit to the dog training school and all the other things that you've managed to do And I know some of you may be thinking again, because I've heard this before, we're too busy for all of that. Well, honestly, folks, if you're too busy to develop your career, then you're going to stay stationary. You're just going to stay stood still and you're not going to be able to move your career forwards. So this is really important, folks. You will give 120% to the job. Let the job work for you. Let the job work for you. I gave 120%. Honestly, I served for 28 years. For 26 of them, I gave 120% without being asked to do so. Honestly, I was just so driven. The last couple of years, I've got to say, I started to fall a little bit out of love with policing. And I wasn't quite as 120%. It's probably like 80 or 90%. When I reflect on that, I kind of forgive myself for that because you know it's a tough job. And I've been there for almost three decades in so many different roles. And you start running out of steam. Was one of the reasons I left at 28 years, not 30, because I just thought if I stay any longer, that might drop down to about 50 or 60%, and I don't want to, want to, don't want to be that person. But one of the things I did all the way through my career, no matter how busy I was, how busy things were, I found time for me. And this is so important, folks. Find time for yourself, because the last thing you want to be doing is to get to the end of your career and to look back and think, you know, on that day when you walk out, because I, I can remember that. A lot of you are listening to this, won't have experienced this yet. I've experienced it on three occasions because I've been in three forties. The last one, Greater Manchester Police, was when I walked out finally knowing I was never going to have a warrant card in my pocket again. And I walked out of the training school. That's where I handed in my warrant card and my radio. And I, I've got to say, I walked out thinking, that was awesome. It was a bit of an odd feeling. But I walked out thinking, that was absolutely awesome. 28 years where I pretty much squeezed every bit of joy, pleasure, if you can call it that, some of the things you deal with. You know, they're not there to give you joy and pleasure in the normal meaning of the word, but fulfillment. That was a deeply fulfilling career. But I'd already worked out a couple of years before. Actually, I'd already set my stall out a a decade before What I needed to do to start preparing for post-retirement, which is why we've now got blue light and we've now got over 8,000 people who are now in the police as a result of my support, which is why I worked with the European Union on projects around community policing, community engagement. I've spoken at conferences, I've worked with police forces. All of that didn't happen post-retirement with me scratching my head, walking out, thinking, now what? I started setting my stall out for all of that well over a decade before I actually retired. So I started preparing for my retirement using exactly the same techniques. I knew I was going to set up a business. I didn't want to work for anyone else ever again once I retired. And I knew it would probably be in the world of training, learning and development because that's something I really enjoyed. But I also knew to enable me to do that, I needed to have certain qualifications behind me. So 15 years Before I retired, I started working towards a master's in education. I started working towards my NVQ assessor qualifications, NVQ quality assurance qualifications. I started finding the experience that would enable me eventually to set up an organisation that could bid for contracts with police forces to deliver qualifications on behalf of the College of Policing. You know, I had this vague idea that those are the sort of things I'd be doing, But I knew that I needed to set my stall out and started getting the experience and the qualifications and the skills to do that. So I made the job work for me. And that's okay. I think that's okay. Make the job work for you because you're going to work really hard for it. I hope all of this is making sense, folks, and it's inspiring you a little bit because you just want to keep going, you know. I'm seven years out of retirement now and I just want to keep going. I've got ambitions for the next five years. And people do ask me, so at what point are you going to put your feet up? I don't know. I don't want to put my feet up. I just want to keep going. I keep wanting to progress, drive myself, do really cool things, do really amazing things and help support people. Help support people to enable and support their dreams. I mean, what could be better than that? Hey, what could be better than that? So, folks, I hope you have found this podcast useful. I know I've gone off at a few tangents, but that's what I do. You know, you know me. Those of you who are regular regular listeners, you know I go off at slight tangents. Um, hopefully, it's been useful for you and it's inspired you. You know, I am going to say it again: it's only you that's got responsibility for designing the most perfect, successful. An ultimately fulfilling career. And no one else. It's only you. You can have so many sergeants, inspectors, and chief inspectors, and superintendents as you go through your career. I can't remember the names of 80% of them. And they're going to sign you off and they're going to say nice things and all sorts of other stuff. But ultimately, ultimately, it's down to you. So make every day count in terms of moving yourself closer to your goal. Take action on a daily basis to take yourself closer to the thing that you know is going to give you fulfillment and joy so that when you look back on your career as you walk out for the last time you know that that was awesome it was amazing it was success it was fulfilling and then you're thinking about right and i've already got my stall set out for the next stage so many people i come across who are retired officers you know they say that i'll I'll retire and i'll spend six months thinking about what to do next no, I mean really, and they just after six months they're just bored out of their brains, and they still don't have a clue about what to do next. Keep designing your career, folks. Keep designing it. Anyway, on that note, I shall leave you. Um, what have we got lined up? I've got a couple of a uh, couple more um, in conversation with um, interviews lined up. I'm not going to say who they're with, but they are with autumn awesome people who are serving police officers in the constabulary in England and Wales you're going to absolutely love them. And I'm also putting together a little panel one as well uh, with advice and guidance, not just for potential recruits, but for people who are serving from, again, some awesome, awesome people. So we've got that lined up as well. If you've got any questions at all, please do drop me a line, info at bluelightconsultancy.com. Best place to find me, actually, is in the Facebook groups. So we've got the police recruitment one, which you'll find under groups just by searching for Blue Light and Police Recruitment should bring it up. And if you are looking for the serving officers one to join that cadre, I kind of like that word cadre. That's why I called it a cadre because you are, you're like this awesome group of people who are serving officers. Um, You know, you're amazing. I love you. You're just brilliant for what you're doing to help keep us safe in these very, very challenging and difficult times i think you're all amazing so you are a cadre anyway look for blue light and cadre under groups and uh, ask to join but remember you've got to persuade me that you're serving police officer uh and some people have come up with some really ingenious ways of doing that you know things that only police know all right i'm going to leave you on that one folks catch up with you next time look forward to i keep saying talking to you listening to you i don't listen to you i just talk to you but hopefully you've enjoyed this one i'll catch up with you next time bye bye for now I'm not the one